If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Work From Your Happy Place, the podcast that equips you with the tools, know-how, and motivation to live your dreams and find your happy place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a recap of the week's guests and a preview of what's in store. To sign up, simply text the word happy place with no space to 33444. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Work From Your Happy Place, Belinda Ellsworth. Everyone and welcome to Work From Your Happy Place. I'm your host, Belinda Ellsworth, and I'm excited to jump right in with our guest today. Today, I have Paul Maskell with me, and Paul started his first business in 2011. He was soon working 60 to 80 hours a week with a business that couldn't survive without him. So Paul started systemizing everything while empowering a team to run the business better than he could. Before he knew it, his revenue doubled to almost 500000 while the numbers of hours he worked dropped below 40. Paul then sold his business for three times the net profit. He's now back into business ownership with two local businesses while also helping ambitious business owners automate their businesses so they can leverage their business to build a life that they love. It's my pleasure to welcome Paul to our show today. Thanks, Belinda. Excited to be here. Yeah, so why don't we just fill in uh, the gaps of your bio with a little bit of backstory, and uh, let's talk a little bit more about that journey, how you came to owning that business and deciding what that would be, and and then where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Michigan. Uh, You're very familiar with Michigan, so it's pretty blue collar, and uh, my dad ran his own business, one-man band, doing hardwood floors, and growing up, You know, he, along with the rest of the world, told everybody, go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a job, climb the corporate ladder for 40 years and then retire. And then you can enjoy life. You know, until then, it might not be that much fun. So anyway, that's what I did. Got a finance degree, moved to Chicago, sat in a cubicle, realized this just wasn't for me. It wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't making an impact. And I just didn't love what I was doing. And I watched way too many people get laid off during the recession. So to me, it didn't make much sense to do something I didn't love for 40 years and then hopefully retire and have enough money to then enjoy life and still physically and mentally be able to do that. So 
I quit my job in Chicago, moved down to Raleigh, and uh, that's when I was going to start my first business. Didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew I wasn't going to sit in a cubicle for the rest of my life. So ended up starting a business where we ran after-school golf and tennis programs for elementary kids, summer camps, parent-child events. So it was awesome. We had a ton of fun, uh, rewarding every day, super impactful. And as you mentioned, you know, we had success and the success ended up making me work 60 to 80 hours a week because I was really the one getting in the way. We had coaches delivering our service. Uh, unfortunately, I was the one doing everything else. So, you know, I was really scared to delegate at first. It was my baby. Nobody could do it as well as I could until I remember when I quit my job. So when I quit my job, everybody told me I was crazy. Why are you leaving such a secure job? And to me, the worst case scenario really wasn't that bad. If I started my business, it didn't work. I could always go get another job. So mm-hmm. I might as well give it a go. So kind of did the same thing with delegating, automating, systematizing. If I delegated this to somebody and it didn't work, you know, cra- they crashed and burned, terrible hire, and it just comes back to me. The work comes back to me. It's really not that bad because that's where it is anyway. So, you know, ended up empowering a team, building a team. We systematized the business, scaled the business, and then had the opportunity to sell the business because it didn't need me 24-7. And since then, along with still owning local businesses here in the Raleigh area, I really focus on, as you mentioned, helping small business owners automate and scale their business so they can make more money, have more time, and really leverage their business to do what they really want to do in this world. Because we all started our business for a reason, and then it seems like shortly after starting that business, it consumes us. And we don't really know why we're doing what we're doing. Exactly. I think that is uh, people's biggest dilemma. They start to do well at it, and then they it becomes something that they don't enjoy as much as they thought they were going to. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So I'm just curious, what made you decide to start an after-school golf school and tennis school? Did you have some expertise in that area? Yeah, so I always loved sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played golf my whole life. Was Originally, when I was... In high school, I thought I was going to go be a like a teaching professional, not mm-hmm. a touring professional, but go to school uh, for professional golf management. And then I worked at a golf course, and the head pro was there, sun up till sundown, seven days a week. And that didn't look like as much fun. And he never got to play golf. So anyway, you know, fast forward to when I am leaving the corporate world. And to be able to hang out with kids every day, I've always coached. I ran the junior golf program or helped run the junior golf program at my golf course. Uh, When I was in college, I actually coached my high school golf team that I had graduated from. Uh, And I just loved sports. And I loved the idea of being able to, you know, make a career while also making an impact. And I was going to get rewarded financially by the more kids that actually were playing a sport or sports that I love to play. So, you know, that's really kind of how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually found the opportunity. It was a startup franchise at the time. So they just started uh, and they had a really good curriculum that they had developed. And I knew I could take that curriculum and kind of turn it into a business, uh, which we were able to do pretty quickly. Uh, and I think within the first 12 months, the franchisor actually hired me to then help train all their other franchisees because uh, we had figured something out here in Raleigh that uh, other people wanted to know, hey, how'd you actually turn this into a business? That's great. That's absolutely awesome. So what's how's the business shaped your lifestyle today? Yeah, so... Uh, you know, I would I would say the biggest, especially from that first business. So we sold that business in 2015. Uh, we have a couple of local businesses here now, and then, like you said, I 
my main focus is helping small business owners. So what I really learned most in that first venture was having a vision is so important. So my vision for the longest time when I was sitting in that cubicle for three years was to just get out of this cubicle. And once I achieved that, I thought that was it. Like I thought, okay, I'll just run this business for the next 30 or 40 years. I don't have a boss. It's going to be okay. You know, and uh, well, this is just what we do until I started working too much. And then it turned into a job that it was still fun, but you know, I didn't, uh, didn't want to be the whole reason that, that if something happened to me, that that business would collapse. So, you know, kind of what I realized is what do I really want to do in this world? What does my ideal life look like? And then how can we build a business or businesses to help support that? So kind of to your mission, you know, we should be doing what we love every day because we only got one life and there's no reason to do something you hate for, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week. And then hopefully you can retire someday. So that's really when I got clear in my vision, then it was a little bit easier to delegate, to automate, to systematize, to build that team, because I knew it was getting me close to what I really want to do in this world. And it allowed us to impact more people because it wasn't just based on how many hours I could physically or mentally work. Very good. I do think that people, and I do think a lot of it is, um, it's a cultural thing and it's the way you were raised and what part of the country you were raised in because, you know, I was taught the same thing. You you go to school, you get a job and you work at it and you don't take risks and you just hope to retire. And, um, and I, I went a very much different path from straight out of the gate. And it's not everybody does that. And, and you're kind of going against the you're going against the uh, the current there, and then you just realize it's okay, and and you'll be just fine. But people still stay in jobs they absolutely hate, and I think it is because they don't have vision. I always say the same thing: What's the absolute worst thing that can happen to me? Can I live with that? Yes, go. I'll go get a different job because there's always going to be a different job. I think that's the one thing that I think people don't ask themselves that simple, simple question. Yeah. I mean, so when I moved to Chicago, it was 2007 and I took, I left Michigan. I mean, it took, the economy wasn't great in Michigan at that point. It was hard to find a job just in the finance field. So I found a job in Chicago, literally paying $13 an hour, no overtime. So my take home was about $1,500 a month, 750 bucks at the middle of the month, 750 bucks at the end of the month. And I was able to live in a nice apartment in the city of Chicago without any debt and $13 an hour was, you know, just fine. My rent was like 750 bucks. So half my money went to rent. And then I had 750 bucks to, you know, spend on whatever I needed, you know, f- groceries, food, transportation, but I didn't have a car insurance. So I just took, you know, took the subway, whatnot. So we don't need to make as much money as we think. It's just our lifestyles usually don't match up with, you know, eventually what I saw in the corporate world was, these lifestyles were so leveraged by this job that they hated that they they felt they had to stay in that job because they had, you know, the mortgage and maybe the second, you know, the the vacation home and the mm-hmm. car car payments and the college this and oh we bought a boat we got all these things that we thought were going to make us happier and it really just adds more stress because then it's another payment oh we got to stay in this job even longer and then we lose that job and it's like the world's over so when you realize and I think I probably learned this. After I left Chicago, I actually went to South America for two months before I ended up in Raleigh. And I saw everybody down there who maybe had a dollar a day. I don't even know if they had a dollar a day. But they were all way happier than any American I ran into in Chicago. And they had no, they had no physical 
assets. They had, you know, no tangible things that, you know, they didn't have to have the greatest iPhone or direct TV or mm-hmm. the car or the house or the boat, all that. But they had an exceptional life. Like they were just so happy just to be living. So I realized we don't really need a lot in this world to be happy. It's really about what you're doing to make an impact and who you're doing it with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Um, what do you think are a couple of skill sets that have really uh, attributed to your overall success? Yeah, so I would say willingness to learn from other people. So if you're smart, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. So understanding that there's people who have already done what you're trying to do, and there's no need to try and figure it out on your own. Find a mentor, find a coach, find a mastermind, find somebody, some, you know, that can help you along the way. I would say that's one big thing. And then the other thing, you know, from running a business, I would say having empathy. So not only for your employees, but also for your customers too. understanding what they go through and making your decisions based on that. So, you know, a lot of times if we have employees where we have the mindset, it's their job, they can figure it out. I don't really care. Just get the job done. That's what I'm paying you to do. You know, for me running, running my first business, I was the business at first. I was carrying all the equipment to the school and I was lugging this around and chasing down, you know, kids who got lost because they got on the bus and should have came to golf or whatever. So like once I did all that, I realized, hey, I need to pay these people accordingly because I don't want that part to ruin the fun part. So like they know they're getting compensated well to lug the equipment, stay late because the kid's mom forgot to pick them up. But that kind of compensates them. And then they allow it allows them to have a lot of fun actually coaching the kids, which turns into a better product and better product means better business, basically. So and doing the same thing for your customers. So you know, understanding that your customers have more options than ever. Whatever service or product you sell, they can get that from anywhere. It is a commodity. So how you deliver it, how you make your customers feel, how much they trust you, the relationships you build, that's really what's going to set you apart. And when you put your ego out the window and realize that they're actually doing you a favor and you're not doing them a favor, you'll probably start to make, you know, a little bit different business decisions. Good. Um, I think that's right. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about uh, one of your most outstanding uh, accomplishments. Yeah, so I would say, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that we do every day. And uh, Tom Schwab told me on one of my very first podcasts that I was interviewing him. And he said, what's ordinary to you is amazing to others because uh, we take so many things for granted. And, you know, we just keep doing our thing. We could do it in our sleep. Uh but I would say, you know, we've, we've run a lot of different businesses here locally, and I would say the greatest accomplishment for me personally is, you know, when I've sold any, I've sold two local businesses here, and I think it's the relationships that we've built, not only with the customers, but with the employees. And to be able to continue those relationships well after I sold it, I'm not their boss. I still talk to employees that I hired like in 2011 mm-hmm. that I haven't employed in like five plus years and I still text with them. So just being able to be a leader, they look up to you, but also just building those genuine relationships and understand that you can't build a business by yourself. You're going to do it together uh, and figuring out what makes your employees tick and trying to help them achieve their goals too. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing. And even when I started another business, I had people reach out to me from the first business and say, hey, Coach Paul, I saw that you're doing this. Uh, I would love to come work for you. So to me, that's probably one of the biggest accomplishments is just 
understanding that without really good employees, you're not really going to build anything. Absolutely. So do you think you've identified like a few things that are consistent? You've done this now two, three times, and then now you're helping other business owners do the same thing, and that's increasing their their business. Um, are there like three key steps that you look for first or what what do you think that it is that you continue to repeat that are are helping you to have a successful business? Yeah, Belinda, that's a good question. So there's a lot of good tactical stuff, but really where I start with everybody is figuring out where do you really want to go and then we'll work backwards from there. So literally today I was talking with a potential client. She thought she needed my help. She's like, I want to do this. I want to bring in a partner. How do I compensate them? We want to grow this business, da 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 and then after an hour, she, you know, we uncovered that she doesn't want anything to do with this business. She doesn't want to partner up with anybody. She wants to sell the business, keep the real estate and retire. So, but she never, you know, so many times we as business owners are so short term focused, maybe dollar focused, and we're not focusing on what really makes us happy. What do we really want to do? Uh, so figuring out, I would say step one for everybody is figuring out where do you want to be personally and getting clear on that vision that we had talked about. What does your ideal life look like? How much money do you actually need to make to make that happen? And then the next step is, is what kind of business do I actually need to build in order to make that happen? How big a business, how much money does it need to make? How many customers does it need to have? Because this process allows you to kind of take the emotions out of it because then you know to a dollar amount what you actually need to do. And then the, that's really going to dictate your decision. So we as business owners make so many decisions emotionally backed by n no numbers at all. Me being a numbers person, it, that's the easiest way to get people to understand what's the best move for them because it really takes the emotion, the decision-making out of it because they say the numbers tell you to do this. So, you know, I would say the first two steps, get crystal clear in your vision and figure out literally like to the dollar, how much money do you need to make to make that happen? What are your basic necessities? How much money do you want to spend on travel? How much money do you need to spend on your car? How much money do you want to save, you know, to invest? And whatever that dollar amount is, then reverse engineer, what size business do I actually need to build in order to make that happen? So, you know, like the lady I was working with today, she owns the real estate. So if she sold the business, that business could still pay, you know, the new owner would pay her rent and that would free up all her time to go do what she really wants to do. And she could do that part-time. She loves bookkeeping and, you know, kind of helping business owners, but that's all she wanted to do. She didn't want to be the owner anymore. So I said, you could do that and you could be a part-time bookkeeper for somebody and you're well set and you can enjoy life. So if you can get really clear on that vision, what that dollar amount is, then figure out what type of business you need to build then you can actually start to take steps to getting closer to that. And that really becomes your ultimate filter. Your personal vision lines up with your business vision, which then starts to create your actions that you take in order to make both those things happen. Wow, that was great advice. So I was just sitting here thinking, I was looking at our questions and I was like, oh, you've done this a few times now. There's got to be some key ingredients that you'd love to share with our listeners. So I love that. What does working from your happy place mean to you? Yeah, so I would say, you know, I look at things that we do, it's either going to fill us with energy or drain us from energy. And I knew when I was working from the corporate world, it just drained me. I was able to separate work like I left work and work was not, you know, I didn't bring it home with me. I slept well. Uh, I wasn't depressed or anything, but 
I wasn't, I never looked forward to going to work. And now that I'm able to do something impactful, serving people every day, talking with business owners who I love to hang out with and, you know, really things that fill you up with energy, they don't really drain you. And then at the end of the day, you know, you made an impact, you know, you helped somebody, you know, you know, you made a difference in someone's life to get them close to where they want to go. And that doesn't have to be like me. That's me helping business owners, but also every business that any business owner out there, you're solving a problem for somebody, even if you don't think so. So if you can solve a real problem for real people and make money doing it and you enjoy it, I think that's working from your happy place. Where I see some people go wrong is they're trying to solve a real problem for real people because the wrong reasons, because someone told them you can make a lot of money on Amazon or somebody told told them, hey, if you start this type of business, you'll make a lot of money. If you're just doing it for the money, there's going to be way too many days that suck that'll probably mm-hmm. make you quit. And I can attest to that because I've told plenty of people after I sold my first business, I didn't really know what I was going to do next. So I tried I tried an e-commerce store Mm -hmm. and I tried it because everyone was doing the Amazon FBA thing. Shopify was getting popular. uh, And I thought, this is great. I can scale a business, don't really need employees, and uh, I can make a lot of money and do whatever I want. And probably within six to eight months, uh, I basically sold all our inventory that we had left at cost or at a loss just because it wasn't fun. Even though it was making money, I was like, this is just not for me. It's sucking too much energy out of me. I need to do something that I really love. And I realized since then, it's really just serving people, making a difference, helping them get close to where they really want to go. That's great. And I think that's great advice because I think people, it's too easy to look at somebody else and say, wow, look look at what they're doing. And they get caught up in the, the money that they're making, the time that they're spending, like and, and not everybody sees the whole picture of somebody's life just by seeing a screenshot or even seeing them out in their yard, like enjoying the afternoon. And you think, why are they out in their yard enjoying the afternoon when I'm sitting in here? And But in reality, it's like you may not enjoy that and you are not going to be the best version of yourself doing that. And then consequently, it just really is not going to make you happy. Yeah, for sure. And I think especially with social media, we see everyone else's highlights and we think, oh, that would be nice. But you don't know what it took to actually get there and you don't know if you really want to do it. And if you don't have the passion for it, you know, you're you're probably not, never going to actually see, you're never going to experience what you think you want to experience because you saw someone else because you're going to have too many days that just, you know, you're going to throw in the towel because you don't love it. And you really have to love it to, to kind of push through some of those tough times as business owners. Um, but yeah, I mean, we get, caught up in mm-hmm. what everyone else thinks when we really just need to do what's best for us, our family. So that way, when it's all said and done, we don't have any regrets saying, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or I wish I would have done that. Just do what you want to do. And that, I mean, like every step that I've made, I didn't want to have the regret of saying, I wonder what would happen if I quit my job or I wonder what would happen if I wouldn't have, you know, would have done this. So if yep. something you want to try, try it. So you don't have any regrets, but know that you're not getting judged and, and so if, at the at the end of the day, it's probably a micro failure if it's something that you end up not pursuing any further. Right. So what advice would you give to others on our show that are thinking about this? They're wanting to be entrepreneurs. They are wanting to leave that day job that they just absolutely uh, do not love. Yeah. So one would be the worst case scenario is never as bad as you think it's going to be, uh, which leads into kind of the second step of really evaluating your finances. Uh, how much money do you actually need to kind of get by? You know, there's probably a lot of things you can cut out. 
uh, guaranteed there is. And then the third thing is be evaluate your time. So we all have more time than we think. You know, we have 168 hours in the week. If you sleep for eight hours a night, that's 56 hours. So you got 112 hours left. If you got a day job that's taken up 40 to 60 hours, that still leaves you like, you know, 50 to 70 hours of time to build that thing that will help you get out of your job. And, you know, even if you do 20 hours a week on that and you go still have fun and play sports or hang out with somebody for 30 to 40 hours, we all have more time than we think. Unfortunately, the average American watches 35 hours of TV and they're on social media for like 20 to 25. So that's usually where most of the free time goes. So protect your time, protect your financials and understand the worst case scenario is never as bad as you think it's going to be. Don't worry about whatever you know, what other people think. When I first quit my job, my family thought I was crazy. Now, if I sell a business or start a new business, my mom's like, whatever, I know you got it. I trust you. You know, at the end of the day, it's my life. So uh, do what you really want to do. Just make sure you actually have a plan in place. So when I quit my job, you know, I had the finances in order. Uh, I had been building something in the background and I knew that, hey, I've got like six to 12 months of giving this business a go to at least get some traction. And if it doesn't work, I can always go get another job or I can get a side job, you know, to really pursue what you really want to do. So those would be my three things. Worst case scenario is never as bad as you think it's going to be. Make sure you got your financials dialed in, you know, really understand how much do you really need to make and then protect that time and make the most out of your time. It is your most valuable asset. Great. That's great advice. So in closing, is there anything new that you're working on that you'd like to share with our audience and also let our audience know how they can find you? Yeah. So the best place to find me, uh, Belinda and everyone out there is you can probably just go to my podcast. Since you are listening to this podcast, I do have a podcast of my own. It's called Business Owners Freedom Formula Show. So if you just search for it, uh, you'll find it. It's like a blue background with a little yellow guy putting his arms up in the air. Uh, So that'd probably be the best place. Go there, check out the podcast. And then if you do want to reach out to me directly, I recommend you just go to my website, paulmaskill.com. That has all the things I'm working on along with the podcast. I've got a couple different programs for business owners. We've got a mastermind. Uh, you can apply for a mastermind where we work together, kind of put everything there for you so you can get to where you want to go quicker, automate, scale your business, make more money, have more time, all that good stuff. And other than that, you know, just like I said before, the worst case scenario is never as bad as you think it's going to be. So take action uh, and have no regrets. That sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for being our guest today. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Those are two things that really make a difference. And then refer us to a friend. Right now, during this quarantine situation that we're in, podcast downloads are actually down as well as uh, live streaming music. So people are doing exactly what Paul just said. They're spending massive amounts of time watching Netflix and on their computers and playing games. And so I just want to encourage everybody to go back to take this time and learn something. There's so many wonderful podcasts out there. And just because you're not doing a commute doesn't mean you can't create a new routine for yourself. So I would just like to encourage everyone to subscribe to your favorite podcast. That way you don't miss a single episode and then make sure that you share it with your friends. So thanks again, Paul, for being our guest today. Yeah, Belinda, thanks so much for the opportunity. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us at Work From Your Happy Place. 
If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and be sure to rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. For a free gift on finding your own happy place, please visit workfromyourhappyplace.com and click on the free audio button. Thanks again for listening. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.